Welcome to the podcast presentation of Murder at Avedon Hill, The Chronicles of Aramis Kraken, written and performed by P.G. Holyfield. Previously on Murder at Avedon Hill. perfect place for Greta Platt to escape the troubles of the day. So beautiful, so inspiring. Also a fine place for someone to catch her defenseless and end her life. Constable, I know I am threatening your position here in Avedon Hill, but my only desire is to find out who murdered this young woman and gain access to the Olviarn Pass. I hope you are able to work with us. I assure you, we can help each other. As far as we could tell, most of the blood had been drained from Greta's body. If she bled out, and the cuts on her neck certainly could have allowed for that type of blood loss, there should have been a little more blood around her body or on her clothing. Although I have heard the tales of vampire masters that can walk among the living with ease. There was writing on the paper. Since it was all on a piece torn from a larger page, some words were missing. I have to meet with H.A. I know what this is about, and I really do not have... right now. I sent word to Gloria Platt, Greta's mother. She is at Greta's mausoleum as we speak. She's been there most of the day, I believe, praying over her daughter's soul. The Platts, though not of our bloodline, have always been considered a part of the Avedon family. Many of the former housemistresses have chosen to be buried in the Platt Mausoleum, even the ones that have retired and moved away from Avedon Hill. Constable Ulrich indicated a door on the wall opposite to where Aramis and Aaron had entered the courtyard. Are you ready, sir? Aramis nodded. Yes, I believe so. Let us go meet the grieving mother. Episode 9 of Murder at Avedon Hill. Chapter 9 The Avedon Family Plot. The Icon of Balan, Child of Love. A mother should never have to bury her own child. Balan, stop crying. You could outlive your future great-grandchildren. The Return of the Children. A You Children's Tale. Constable Ulrich took the lead and walked down a long hallway. They continued towards the back of the manor. The walls of the manor interior continued to be made out of well-crafted stonework. The only non-stone walls Aramis had seen were the painted plaster walls of the Grand Hall. Several heavy wooden doors led off of this particular hallway, 
This had also been the case in the hallway leading to the Grand Hall, and in the hallway leading from the Grand Hall to the courtyard. Aramis could only assume that most manor activities took place in the rooms beyond the hallway doors. Windows and open rooms were not commonplace in Avedon Manor. They also had yet to see stairs leading to the upper floor of the manor. Constable Ulrich, may I ask you some questions while we walk? Ulrich kept his eyes facing forward and grunted non-committally. Aramis Cragen took the gesture as acceptance. How close were you to Greta Platt? Ulrich opened a door and led the three men through. Aramis Cragen and Aaron Pertie suddenly found themselves outside at the rear of the manor. Even though Avedon Manor was built seemingly into the side of a mountain, the grounds to the north of the manor were made up of at least three acres of manicured lawn. Beyond this, the mountain began its sheer ascent into the sky. The rocks of the mountain also wound their way around the manor, preventing any entry to the back of the manor from the sides. It was a well-designed fortress, to be sure. Aaron whispered to his teacher, Remind me to come here if I ever need protection against attack, and Castle Penn is not available. Aramis smiled as Constable Ulrich turned to face them. I knew Miss Greta about as much as anyone would working here at the manor. We spend one shift out of every three here at the manor, so there's always a constable here if Lord Avedon needs us. Was Greta romantically involved with anyone here at Avedon Hill? He shook his head. No, I wouldn't think so. A Platt never marries anyone from Avedon Hill. Why is that? Ulrich shrugged. I don't know. I just know that the housemistress has always been a Platt, and that they always come to Avedon Hill from the west. It's like they have a contest for all the Platt girls wherever they come from, and the winner gets to be the next housemistress. But the Platts never marry anyone in Avedon Hill or raise their children here. Aramis nodded. I see. It was customary for many aristocratic families in Grosch to bring in people to work for them from outside areas, to protect them from the politics that continuously take place at court. But Aramis did not consider the Avedons to be at that level of Groschian society, much less the Platts. Ulrich, Lewis told us you were in the Grand Hall and heard Lord Avedon scream after discovering Greta's body. What else can you tell us about that night? Aramis didn't have to use any of his abilities to sense the relief in Ulrich. Apparently speaking about the murder itself was less stressful than talking in general about the Platts. I relieved Constable Tanner at evening bells. I was eating dinner in the Grand Hall like I do every night I'm on duty at the manor. I didn't see anyone that night that wasn't Avedon's staff or family. I heard Lord Avedon yell just as I was finishing my meal. I wasn't sure where it came from at first, so I ran up the stairs to the second floor. This is where all of the Avedon family sleep at night, and I thought the shout came from there. That's where I saw Allie Moore in the second floor hall. She had heard the shout as well, and then Richard came out of his room. Aramis looked at his notes. Allie is one of the maids, and Richard is the oldest son of Lord Avedon. Yes. From their confusion, I could tell I was in the wrong place. Lord Avedon had only called for help once. I can only guess that he was in a state of shock, and that is why he didn't call out again. I ran back downstairs and checked several rooms before discovering Lord Avedon in the courtyard. I found him at Greta's side, holding her hand. He was crying, very upset. Had you ever sensed any romantic connection between the two of them? I don't believe so. She was so young, but I have no way of knowing for certain. How much time had passed between his initial scream and, and when you entered the courtyard? 
Well, I ran the whole way, only pausing for a moment at the top of the stairs. Not long at all. Even though you went the wrong way at first, you were the first person to enter the courtyard after Lord Avedon? Yes. With the stone in these walls, it is hard to determine where voices are coming from. Sometimes you can be walking down a hall and hear someone speaking upstairs. On this occasion, the only other people downstairs were in the kitchens, and they came into the courtyard after me. What about the guards on duty? The one we spoke to outside of the Grand Hall said there were at least two on duty at all times. One was back here as part of his rounds. The other was in the kitchens. We found out later he was there flirting with Brianna Ray during the probable time of the murder. Brianna Ray is the other maid here. Correct. One more question. Do you remember anything before or after the murder that struck you as strange? People visiting the manor, arguments between Greta and anyone, anything at all. I've been trying to think of anything, Sir Aramis, ever since this happened. Anything that would help. But I cannot think of one person that would hurt Miss Greta. Aramis could sense that Ulrich was measuring his words. Ulrich did not feel comfortable at all around the retired ironic advisor. He placed a hand on Ulrich's left shoulder. We're going to figure this out. Maybe I can ask the questions you could not or possibly trigger something that you had completely forgotten about. Yes, sir. I hope so. We should keep moving. Ulrich led them towards an ancient-looking tree. Before they reached the tree, they came upon a set of stone stairs that led down to a grated metal door. Ulrich approached the door and pulled out a set of keys. He unlocked and opened the door, metal shrieking against stone as it slid open. There were two torches and sconces just inside the door. A few moments later, the three men proceeded through the underground catacombs, with Ulrich and Aaron carrying torches. It was a maze pure and simple. The stone passages would branch off every so often, not only laterally, but also in degrees of elevation. Ulrich led them up certain passages and down others, took some branches to the right and others to the left. Aramis lagged behind more than once, writing down the directions in his notebook. The stone passages had simple markings on some walls. Others were smooth and clean. Aaron's internal compass had been completely thrown off. Why is this even here? What purpose does a set of catacombs like this serve? Ulrich didn't stop walking. These tunnels are as old as the manor itself. They lead to the Avedon family plot now, but at one time they may have served other purposes. All I know is how to get from the tree to the underground cemetery. What else is down here, you'd have to ask the Avedons. They continued on for some time, eventually reaching a fork that was lit by an oil lamp. You can follow the lamps from here. They will lead you to the cemetery. I need to get back to the manor. Ulrich bowed. Good luck, Sir Aramis. Sir. Ulrich turned and walked back the way they had come. Aramis looked down the passage straight ahead and saw the flickering glow of a lamp or torch most likely hanging just out of view. Aaron led, with his torch held high. Something tells me, before we're done, we'll be exploring more of these tunnels. I certainly hope not. And watch your voice level in here, Aaron. I would bet the voices carry through these tunnels. Fourteen lamps later, Aramis Cragen and Aaron Pertie walked through an opening into a large cavern. The ceiling of the cavern was well beyond Aaron's range of vision. The cave was eerily lit by the same rocks they had seen in the caves outside of town. Aaron commented, 
Odd that we have never heard of this mineral before. At the center of the cavern was the Avedon family cemetery. Completely unneeded, but present, was an iron fence and a sign that read Avedon family plot. Actually, you haven't heard of this mineral because these rocks lose their glow as soon as they are taken outside of these caves. No one knows why this happens, though exposure to sunlight seems the most likely reason. It sort of makes them worthless, except for in places such as this. Aramis followed the voice until he came upon its owner. We simply call them glow rocks. Aramis Cragen approached, bowed deeply, and extended his hand in friendship. Gloria Platt, I presume. I am so sorry for your and Avedon Hill's loss. Gloria Platt looked to be a few years older than Aramis. A customary morning bonnet covered her graying hair, and she wore a very distinguished black funeral dress. Even after days of grieving, Gloria Platt's face held an unmistakable grace and determination. Thank you, Sir Monk. Lord Avedon sent word that you were coming. I have great respect for your order. I am more than willing to do whatever it takes to help you discover who stole my daughter from me. Although I am concerned to hear your motives are not solely the search for justice. Aramis stepped to the left, and Aaron moved slightly forward. This is Aaron, my student. We are both at your service. While our initial reason for coming to Avedon Hill was driven by our need to use the Ovyarn Pass, I give you my word here and now that I will not leave this place until you personally give me your leave. Aramis bowed a second time. In the short time we have been at Avedon Hill, we have already seen how your daughter touched the lives of so many. Her death, while it has certainly been in vain, will not go unanswered. Tears streamed from Gloria Platt's eyes. That's all I needed to hear, Sir Aramis. She turned and walked towards a large mausoleum set aside from two even larger ones. She pointed to the largest one and said, This is the first Avedon family mausoleum. It has 47 tombs. She moved her hand to point at the next one. This is the second Avedon family mausoleum. It has room for at least 70 tombs. Its last addition was our deceased Lady Avedon. God rest her soul, Miss Gloria. A man now came into view as they approached the third mausoleum. Lady Avedon should have never had that last child, Miss Gloria. It certainly killed her. Stop it, Kel. Lady Avedon had five wonderful children, and she wanted a sixth very much. She turned back to Aramis. She was weak, but she thought she could handle another childbirth. Something was wrong with the baby, though, and it was still born. Lady Avedon just seemed to waste away after that. Nothing could be done. No, her will seemed to die with that baby. The four stopped in front of the third mausoleum. Written in stone above the door was the name Platt. This is my family's mausoleum. As you may have heard by now, a Platt has served the Avedons for nearly 400 years, as maids, caretakers, and finally as housemistress. Lord Bryony Avedon built this mausoleum over 250 years ago, and members of my family have been laid to rest here ever since. She noticed Aramis's attire. Your robes are torn. Aramis looked at the jagged tears in his robe. It is nothing. I just have to be more careful where I walk. He attempted to disarm her with a smile and change the subject. Why is it always a housemistress? 
Are there never sons in your family that come to work for the Avedons? Tradition is important to us, Sir Aramis. The Platt family proper lives near Dallard's Glen, some 200 leagues southwest of Avedon Hill. Ella Platt, at the tender age of 13, arrived in Avedon Hill in 37 AI. She offered her services as a servant to the Avedon family. She returned home after 22 years of faithful service and immediately sent her niece Hallie to take her place. Over the next hundred years, seven different Platt women served six different Lord Avedons. Eventually, we were granted the title of housemistress. Aramis interrupted her. What exactly does that title mean? What are the duties of, of the housemistress? We manage the household, of course. The people that work there are chosen and managed by the housemistress, which means that anything those people are responsible for are also under the purview of the housemistress. In addition, we serve as the family scribe, historian, bookkeeper, anything that falls under the control of Avedon Manor. It appears that Lord Avedon can barely function now, closing the town, his demeanor, somewhat beyond what some might call mourning. Gloria shrugged. While it is true that Lord Avedon relied on Greta very much, he will be fine, especially if you do your jobs, Aramis. I will take over Greta's duties until my grandniece Selene finishes her education. And as for the male Platts, three have served the Avedon family in the past in different ways, but tradition holds that the housemistress has always been a female from the Platt family. Aramis turned finally to the man standing beside Gloria Platt. Kel, I presume. You are the groundskeeper here at the manor. Kel was much older than anyone Aramis Cragen and Aaron had met in town. He was unshaven and unkempt, his clothes dirty and worn at the knees, and his hands looked permanently stained from years of gardening. But underneath all that, a handsomeness shined through. Yes, sir, for 43 years now. I assume much of your time is spent caring for the plants and flowers in, in the courtyard. Kel's eyes brightened. Oh, yes, sir, monk. The courtyard is my pride, my joy. So you were there many times with Greta? Kel nodded. Oh, she loved the western Ilantia we have there. I just laid some out for her. Kel's voice broke. Aramis pressed on. Did Greta ever meet with people in the courtyard while you were there? At times. Was there anyone Greta particularly disliked meeting with, or anyone you witnessed Greta argue with? A wild look crossed Kel's face. Arguments? She was killed by a demon, Sir Monk. You should be scouring the countryside searching for the vampire that did this, not asking us about meetings and arguments. Gloria reached out and took Kel's shaking hands into hers. Now, Kel, calm down. Sir Aramis and Aaron, is it? They must ask these questions. They need all the information they can get right now. I know you believe in this theory of vampires. Not theory, Miss Gloria. Not theory. Father Joris. He, he has warned us of all this for months now. No one would listen. No one would listen. He paused, gathering himself. I only saw one person argue with Miss Greta. Talik Bohr. The innkeeper? asked Aaron. Yes. He was unhappy with some decision of Lord Avedon, I guess. I'm sure Miss Greta was just passing it on to him, but he took it out on her. But this was weeks ago, and he was fine after that. 
Miss Platt, is there anyone that may have disliked you while you were housemistress? Anyone Greta spoke of in a negative way to you? Well, the day I left Avedon Hill was the last day I spoke to anyone, including Greta, about Avedon Hill and what goes on here, and she didn't share anything with me concerning anyone not liking her. As for me, no one that I know of held animosity towards me, and certainly not anything that would pass on to my daughter Greta. One last question, Gloria, if you don't mind. Of course not. Gloria was beginning to look more tired, though. Was Greta raised here? Greta was groomed to be my replacement ever since she was a child. My family has access to the best educators in the region. Greta spent a season here each year until she moved here permanently 12 years ago. She was 15. And Greta's father. The question seemed to take Gloria by surprise. He died years ago. He was a sailor by trade. Gloria Platt's face became paler as she spoke. I know one question you haven't asked that you need to. She began leaning heavily against Kel. The answer is no. I don't know if she was seeing anyone. But I am sure she wouldn't have been seeing anyone here in town. Why is that? Kel began to lose his balance as he supported more of Gloria's weight. That's enough, Sir Aramis. Can't you see you're upsetting Miss Gloria? Aramis moved forward and assisted Gloria, carefully leading her to a bench just outside the mausoleum. I apologize if our questions caused you more grief. No, of course not, Sir Aramis. I am simply an old woman. Stop fussing over me. She shooed the men away with her hands. You have something more important you need to do right now. Kel will take you in and show you Greta's tomb. I think it is best that I stay here. We will return shortly, madam. Kel pulled out a set of keys and opened the door to the mausoleum. The three men walked in. There were a series of lit torches hanging on the wall. It's the third door on the left. You can't miss the flowers. Aramis and Aaron went forward, leaving Kel to stand guard by the exit. They approached the door that Kel had indicated. It had been left open slightly. Aramis pushed on the door. While the door was heavy, it was well balanced and opened easily. There were several stone sarcophagi in the room, but it was obvious which one was Gratis. Kel had not been kidding about the flowers in the tomb. Hundreds of flowers of differing varieties surrounded her coffin, many covering the lid. Are you ready, Aaron? I've seen dead bodies before, Aramis. Aramis smiled. I do not care about your stomach, Aaron. I just need your help opening the sarcophagus. Aaron, embarrassed, responded only with a quiet, Oh. The two men went to what they thought should be the head of the sarcophagus and felt around the edge. In the soft glow of the torchlight, it wasn't easy to find handholds, but after a moment they braced themselves and pushed up on the stone lid, which did not budge. Wait a minute, what is this? Aaron pointed to a winch and pulley that rested in the corner. It had obviously been used to lower the lid onto the sarcophagus. A few moments later, they had reattached the brackets to the top of the coffin and were ready to work the winch. The handle for the winch was built so both of them could work it at once. They cranked the handle counterclockwise until the heavy stone lid was ten hands above the coffin. They locked the winch in place. Aramis turned to Aaron. Go ahead. Take a look. Concern stretched across Aaron's face. Mm, I don't think a prince of you should be sticking his head under such a large slab of stone. Do not be foolish. 
the lid will not fall. Aaron walked back over to the small podium and climbed up. For a moment, he watched the lid of the sarcophagus suspended in the air. The height of the coffin's top edge was such that he had to climb to the tips of his toes in order to see within. Aaron gasped and immediately pulled his head back, momentarily losing his balance. He secured himself and called Aramis over. Well, Sir Aramis, we, we have a slight problem. What is it? Do they have a wrapped? Mm, nah, that, that's not it. <sighs> I thought you said you had seen dead bodies before. A moment later, Aramis stood beside Aaron. Aramis was shorter than Aaron by two hands, so it was much more of an effort for him to see over the edge. So, what have we... Aramis stopped in mid-question. Oh, I see. The two men exited the tomb and brought Kell along as they left the mausoleum. They made their way to the bench and to Gloria Platt. Aramis Cragen sat down next to Gloria and took one of her hands in his. When was Greta's funeral? How long ago? Gloria was confused by the question for a moment. She was laid to rest three days ago. Have you spent much time away from the mausoleum? I've slept at Greta's house in town at night, but other than that I've been here. Has anyone stood guard or been around here at night? I have a shack over there, just beyond the last mausoleum. I've slept there the last three nights. Aramis patted Gloria's hand. Well, it seems that murder is not the only crime being committed in Avedon Hill. We are sorry to have to be the ones to tell you this, Gloria. Your daughter's coffin is empty. As Kel began ranting about vampires raising from the dead, Gloria Platt fainted. Aramis caught Gloria and held her, else she would have fallen from the bench. Aaron leaned over to help. Aramis, this is definitely turning out to be one of your learning experiences. You've been listening to Murder at Avedon Hill. Please visit pgholyfield.com for more information on this novel and the author. Most of the music in this podcast provided by Shira Common through Magnatune.com. Magnatune.com, they are not evil. Additional music generously provided by Kevin McLeod through Incompetech.com. This podcast is copyright 2007, PG Holyfield, and is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 2.5 license.